Here we go. It's March the 14th in the year of our Lord, 2023, as we are doing Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me will be Pastor Mark Smith as we take a look at the hymn, God Loved the World So That He Gave. It is written by Johann O'Lerius. He lived 1611 to 1684. He was a court preacher at Halle and Weissenfels and a leading theologian of his time. He produced a systematic theology, which meant it was a book on how to understand the various teachings of the Bible. He wrote a commentary on the entire Bible, a great many academic and, and devotional books, and the most comprehensive hymnal of the period, which was published in 1671. This hymn appeared in that book in a section of hymns teaching the chief articles of the Christian faith. The translation is by August Cruel, C-R-U-L-L, who died in 1923. And it has continued in use with some alterations in most Lutheran hymn bodies and hymn books to the present. It was in our old hymnal. It's in this hymnal. And it's one that I really enjoy using. What about you, Pastor Smith? Do you like oh, this yeah. hymn? Oh, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's solid and it's basic. It's, it's based on the gospel in a nutshell, John 3.16. Yes, that's what the first stanza is. And it is part of a number of hymns like Luther did. You know, he had a hymn on the commandments, a hymn on the creed, a hymn on the Lord's Prayer, a hymn on baptism, and a hymn on the Lord's Supper, and even more than that. So this is a very teaching hymn, and it's a good one for parents to have their children memorize and at least prepared if the church is going to be singing it this particular Sunday. So, do you want to begin with stanza one? Sure. God loved the world so that he gave his only son, the lost, to save, that all who would in him believe should everlasting life receive. Already capsulized in the first stanza is how does one get saved? That's right. As I said, the gospel in a nutshell. It, it, uh, it's that that gives you uh, John three sixteen right there. Yes, and the verse itself says that all who would obey should be everlasting love receive. No, that let's see. It says. Uh, God loved the world so that he gave his only son that lost to save that all who would in him believe. It's the obedience yes. of faith. It's not works, but simply believe and trust in him would everlasting life receive. You know, this is uh, what makes. 
interesting. I was going to say, uh, Tom, you might remember years ago watching uh, athletic events on TV, and you'd yeah. look in the stands, and somebody would have a big, huge poster of John 3.16, just those words, John 3.16. And I remember one guy I ran into at the gym asked me, he heard that I was a local pastor, and he, he asked me, hey, what's this John 3.16 about? You know what I mean? What an opening yes. for sharing the basic gospel in a nutshell. And I remembered, I, I, I ran into him years later at another gym. I mean, maybe 20, 30 years later, and I remembered him, and I, I reminded him of that incident about John 3.16, and he remembered. Yes. I've always said that every Bible passage has two interpretations, the wrong one and the right one. Now, believe it or not, one hardly thinks how you can take it wrong, but this is how there are people who take it wrong. It says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Okay, that's what God does. Then they continue, whoever believes in him, you know, will be saved. Now, that's what we do. We have to make a decision to believe. How do we respond to that kind of thinking? No, God does it all. He, he not only gave us his son to atone for all of our sins, but he also, by his Holy Spirit, gives us the faith with which to accept that truth and, and believe in it, and trust in it. So it's it's all God's doing. We call that divine monergism. Uh, it's not synergism where we have to contribute something. He has done it all. Yes, monergism, the two words are mono only and ergo, which means to work. And so it's all the work of God, not a synergism where we cooperate in his work in order to be saved. And how does that go in the third article of the Holy Spirit? I cannot by my... By my own reason or strength believe in him. Right. Or, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the one true faith. As I've said on many hymns, there are Bible passages at the bottom of the page, and usually they have three or four passages. But with this hymn, you can find 20 or 25 passages. This first verse is definitely John 3.16. So let me go on to the second stanza. Christ Jesus is the ground of faith who was made flesh and suffered death. All men who trust in him alone are built on this chief cornerstone. So how would you explain to a child what it means to be the ground of faith? Well, he is the, he is the basis. He is the, yes. he is the solid rock upon which our faith is built upon which the church is built. Yeah, the word that is used often is foundation. He right. is the foundation. 
you can have a house with walls and windows and roof, but all of the houses need a foundation. Without a foundation, the house collapse. And what is the house that Jesus is the foundation of? That's the church. Excellent. Yep, the Holy Christian Church. And he's the ground of, notice what it says, not the ground of works, but the ground of faith. Isn't it interesting how almost every hymn makes these distinctions between law and gospel, not by our works, but through faith in Jesus Christ, which later is explained in the hymn, in this verse, all then who trust in him. So how do we explain what trust in him really means? I would say it's clinging to his promises. Excellent. Clinging and God and God also gives us the faith with which to cling to his yes. promises. Because his promises are unreasonable. You look at your congregation and you see them all sitting in the pews. The more you get to know the members of the congregation, the more you realize that they are sinners. And yet God declares them to be righteous, holy, sinless in his sight. That takes faith to believe it. No unbeliever can ever come to that conclusion. That's right. And, uh, you know, even, even we pastors, of course, uh, the older we get, the more we realize what sinners we are and, and how we need God's grace for our lives, too. We confess with the congregation we're poor, miserable sinners deserving nothing but what? Uh, nothing but justice, getting what we deserve. Yes, temporal and eternal death. Eternal punishment, right. Oh, you, you brought up justice. You want to explain justice versus mercy and grace? <laughs> yes, I got it written right in front of me forever now. Justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy yes. is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. Excellent. And find another religion that has grace. No, in every no, other religion, have. you will deserve a reward in heaven because of how you treat God. And therefore, they would say the life of sanctification is what saves you. We believe it's the justification that Jesus does, and the life of sanctification is our response to what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Okay, stanza three. God would not have the sinner die. His son with saving grace is nigh. His spirit in the word declares how we in Christ are heaven's heirs. Now, some children may not understand the word heir, H-E-I-R. What does that mean? 
Well, you know, that's one of the words that I say to kids when they come up to the communion rail with their parents. I say, I remind them that that in their baptism, God has washed away all their sins and made them children of God and heirs of heaven. An heir is somebody who inherits. It's a free gift. Excellent. Yep. Well said. In other words, that is found in Matthew 25 on the sheep and the goats, because God begins by saying, inherit the kingdom of God because you did this, you did that, you did this, like visit people in prison, give clothing to the naked, food to the hungry. And God isn't saying that those are the things that saved you, but those are the evidences that God sees that you have already been saved. So they don't cause you to be saved. They are the results of your being saved. That's a real important law and gospel distinction. Yeah, as Jesus says, by, by your fruits, or by their, by their fruits, you will know them. Well said, because in the scripture, there's two kinds of good works. The ones we do by our own will, and the ones that the Holy Spirit motivates us to do, and those aren't all only referred to as good works, but fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because right. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Anything else on that verse? No, I think it's pretty well said. Uh, uh, let me think. Oh, uh, one thing I would add. You know, Tom, uh, the picture of... Uh, a house being built on sand as, upon, as yes. opposed to built on the rock. That is a picture that kids uh, can well understand, too. Right, because water washes away the sand. It won't wash away the rock. No. So you want to be, be built on the rock of Christ. Exactly. It's really sad the way Israel, when they got into the wilderness, shifted their faith to sand. Remember, they go through the Red Sea. What a miracle that would have been. And immediately they start complaining to Moses they don't have any water. And of course, they're complaining also to God because Moses goes to God and says, you know, they're ready to put me to death. What are we going to do? And you would think that in every other religion, God would really punish the people for not trusting in him to take care of them. What does God instead do? No, God tells uh, Moses to strike the rock, and out of that will, will flow water that will assuage the thirst of the, of the Israelites. Provides water and from a rock. What does Moses... What's he supposed to use in hitting the rock? I think a staff. His, his, yes, uh, and what staff? staff? It's the, the one that he put over the Red Sea. Right. And it's also the one, isn't it also the same one that he cast down and turned into a snake? I don't think so. I think that was a, a bronze uh, pillar he did. 
um, which one of the kings later destroyed. Why did he destroy that? I can't remember that, Tom. Because they started to worship it. Oh, I see. I seem to remember him throwing down the staff, as God told him to do. Threw, threw down the staff, and it became turned into a snake. And and uh, when the uh, magicians, the magicians of uh, Pharaoh, mimicked the same miracle, his oh, oh, oh. serpent gobbled up theirs. Yeah, I, I thought you were talking about the snake that they all had to look at. Remember. The bronze serpent. John 3 talks about just as the snake was lifted up on a pole, so also was Jesus. But right. you weren't. You were yeah. talking about the miracle before Pharaoh. That's right. correct. All right. I'll read four. Be of good cheer, for God's own Son forgives all sins which you have done and justified. By Jesus' blood, your baptism grants the highest good. So what does this verse say is the highest good or benefit that we receive through Jesus Christ? Well, it's right out of the scripture. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism doth now save us. I I love how this uh, this hymn brings to bear the the comfort also of baptism. Because what two gifts do you get in baptism according to Peter's sermon at Pentecost? Forgiveness of sins? Yes. And also and also faith. Faith the, it, faith is kindled in the heart of that little infant that's been baptized. He he he's not not only are all his sins forgiven, but faith is actually uh, begun in that little infant. He, that little infant uh, now is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And Peter says the two gifts are the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And right. with that Holy Spirit, you're saying comes faith. That's right. Can a little baby have faith? Yes, absolutely. In fact, Jesus says, you know, he warns us, not to offend one of these little ones who believe in me. Yes, well said. In fact, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, that the word used for those little ones is, is Pideon. That's a little suckling infant. infant they they yes. do believe in him. Well said. Do you have any example of an infant that believed? Well, Sure. They're all around us whenever whenever they're baptized. I mean, uh, let well, me tell I mean you. from the Bible. From the Bible. An infant that believes. Oh, John the Baptist. John the of Baptist course. believed. He was filled with the Holy Spirit even as he lay in his mother's womb. Yes. That was a promise given to his father by the angel Gabriel. Right. Who didn't believe it. And what happened to him? Oh, uh, yeah, Zechariah. Yeah, right. he he was struck. Uh, he couldn't couldn't speak. Couldn't speak Mute. until John was until uh, after John was born. Right. Now he gave messages to his wife because when there was time to give the name 
he didn't name him after himself, which is usually what a father would do. He named him John, which was the name that Gabriel had given him. That's right. So that's really interesting. All right, stanza five, please. If you are sick, if death is near, this truth your, troubled, your troubled heart can cheer. Christ Jesus saves your soul from death. That is the firmest ground of faith. Now, I wonder how many people realize what they just sang there. Because this, to me, the passage I would point to that explains this is when Jesus met Martha on the way to raise Lazarus from the dead. And she said, yes, I know he will be raised on the last day. But Jesus said, no, he'll you know, be raised today. And then he said something that he who believes in me will what? Never die. And that's what is sung in this third sentence. Christ Jesus saves your soul from death. In other words, your spirit, your soul never dies. It's taken immediately to be with Jesus at the point that your body dies and is buried in the ground. And then, of course, on Judgment Day, your body is reunited. So there's a sentence that people sing it, but I don't think they realize what they're singing sometimes. Right. You know, another thing about that, uh, that account of uh, Jesus and Martha talking about her son being raised, she says, yes, I know he'll be raised in the resurrection. But Jesus then says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Just imagine Jesus pointing to himself, I am the resurrection and the life. He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Right, and it was not Martha's son, but her brother. Her brother, right, Lazarus. Yes, and that's what we believe when we say that Jesus is the resurrection. We believe that he rose from the dead and that that happens to us. And we go back to the previous verse. That happens in Romans 6 through baptism. It even says we are on the cross and were buried with Christ and in the same way will we be resurrected from the dead as was Jesus in fact our our eternal life begins with our baptism yes now do you have to be baptized in order to be saved no and I, the example i give you is the thief that uh, hung next to Jesus on the cross excellent uh, Jesus had not yet, uh, he had not yet uh, uh, instigated his, his uh, sacrament of baptism, and so th that, that thief would not have been baptized. And yet Jesus tells him, uh, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. That is so really an imp important point. So Our missionaries, they speak the word of the gospel, and that brings people to faith. That's Even right. apart from baptism. That's right. So, if you are sick, if death is near, boy, that's an appropriate verse to sing today, what with the Chinese virus and such. 
I, I just heard of someone else who got really sick and died. And we've had pastors die of the Chinese virus. And so it's not something to fool around with. But no. your heart can be cheered because Christ died on the cross. How do you explain that to someone? How does the death on the cross cheer your heart? Because his death has, for us, destroyed death. Uh, yeah. It is finished. He's, he's made full atonement for all of our sins, and uh, by his death he has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light. You know, yeah. this is a great verse. This is a great stanza, Tom, for the hospital visit. You know, you talk about memorizing this hymn. This verse yes. is excellent for for any hospital visit, whether they be sick or even if they be in their last days or last hours. Or how many people get really nervous when they have to have serious surgery? Right. And so this is cheerful because it gives a promise that no matter what happens, Christ Jesus saves your soul from death. Yeah. Really? You know, uh, one thing I remember sharing, oh, I'm, I've shared this with maybe a number of people, is that if they're going into surgery, and the sur let's say the surgery is very serious, and they don't know, they really don't know, there's no guarantee that they'll come out of surgery. I say, well, look, you cannot lose as a Christian. You'll either... If you if you come out of surgery uh, still living, Jesus will be with you. If you don't make it out of surgery, if you die on the surgery table, you'll be with him. You cannot lose as a Christian. Absolutely not. He'll be with you one way or the other. Well said. That's how pastors comfort people. Not by saying, well, you've lived a good life. You've been to church. You've gone to Sunday school. You brought your kids up. God will reward you with heaven. No, we teach them what Jesus did, dying on the cross for their sins. That's why they're going to heaven. And the last verse is a Trinitarian. Glory to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. To you, O blessed Trinity, be praised now and eternally. Great hymn to sing, isn't it, Mark? Great, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for helping us today. Uh, tomorrow we'll be doing a study again on Proverbs by Solomon. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.